If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, sheets are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or add a blanket. So you sleep deeper, longer, and better. And sheets bedding looks as good as it feels. Colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you. And right now, you can try sheets for 30 nights risk-free. Just go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 12-12. This is our number two of the World According to Zig podcast for this October 15, 2017 my name is John Ziegler. I'm the host of this show where you can still get the truth about news, politics, media, sports, and culture from a true conservative perspective in this world turned upside down, as is usually the case. In hour two, we are joined by a special guest who is also a true conservative who's dealing with a world turned upside down in a very, very outspoken fashion. Uh, somebody that I've been looking forward to speaking with for a long time because uh, she and I have had a, a lot of um, interaction on Twitter and on Facebook and an admired uh, her courage in speaking out on a number of topics, including Donald Trump and the nature of cable news. And she joins us now, political commentator on television, longtime GOP political operative and spokesperson and columnist for USA Today. Sherry Jacobus, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Sherry, there's, uh, I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time. Uh, we've kind of known each other online and Facebook and Twitter for, for quite a while. I, I mentioned in your intro that uh, you're a longtime GOP political operative and spokesperson, although uh, you're currently not even a member of the party. Tell us about that uh, and, and why, oh, why that decision was made. That, that's correct. Uh, I started my career. I worked on Capitol Hill for various Republican members of Congress, including Republican leader Bob Michael. Um, uh, I have run Republican campaigns very successfully. And uh, in, uh, when the Republicans took over the Congress in the mid-90s in the contract with America, I was a uh, communications director for one of the House committees when we first, those jobs never existed because we had never had the majority. So I was part of the contract with America. I was an RNC spokesperson, been a consultant, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but uh, the party left me when they nominated uh, Donald Trump. Uh, so that's not why I became a Republican. I think he has ruined the party, uh, ruining the country, and I'm really hoping that one day, hopefully sooner rather than later, I will have every incentive to re-register as a Republican again. But right now, uh, there is no Republican Party, at least not the party that I've known and worked for and believed in for so many decades. What was it specifically about Donald Trump? Was there a, a particular breaking point that made you decide to leave the party? Well, my first public criticism of Donald Trump was pretty much the same as millions of others, and that was when he made those horrific comments about John McCain not being a hero uh, because he was a POW and he liked people who weren't captured. Uh, at that point, I decided that he was unacceptable, uh, and we had so many others running, so many very good men and a woman, that uh, we didn't need to lower ourselves as a party to consider that. So after that, um, I honestly did not think he had a chance, but he was propped up so much by the media because, let's face it, the guy was great for ratings. And I think at that point, even those that were pushing him for ratings really didn't think that he could become the nominee, let alone president. Uh, and they were just sort of enjoying themselves and thinking it was kind of funny. And it got out of hand, and then you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. I think that's one big reason why... We ended up with him, but he has repeatedly, over the course of the campaign and since he's been president, shown that he's unfit as a human being, 
Uh, he's not smart enough to hold the job. We know just yesterday he said he had met with the president of the Virgin Islands, not realizing that he is the president of the Virgin Islands. I mean, I could just be repeating over and over again all the things that we've all heard over the months, and it's become normalized. I mean, we, we think of this as normal now, and it's quite dangerous. And, you know, John, there's a reason why we had well over 100 national security experts uh, with nothing to gain by speaking out, sign a letter prior to the election, urging the American people, imploring the American people, do not do this. This man is dangerous. Uh, and I think that uh, some of the fears now that they had are, are coming to fruition. Uh, so it, this is something that I don't think anybody could have predicted um, until it started looking like this guy had a chance of winning, and now we're living that nightmare. Sherry, it sounds like you have Trump derangement syndrome. <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's, a, that's a great talking point for Trump supporters who have no answer for this. They, they can't deny what he's doing. They can't justify it. Uh, but for some reason, they continue to support him either out of personal pride or they're getting something else out of it, uh, something they, that they can't admit publicly. Uh, and so that's just a little bit too easy to uh, attack the people who are, you know, repeatedly and, and regularly listing the legitimate reasons why this man is unfit to serve. Uh, and we know that some serving in his administration uh, say so as well. Uh, so, you know, you can call people, you know, say it's Trump derangement syndrome, uh, but uh, that makes folks feel better. But maybe take a look at why so many people, smart people, respected people, uh, people who have no reason to speak out and are doing so out of patriotism uh, and offering their best analysis and their expertise uh, to articulate why we are in such a serious uh, situation now with Trump as our president. But again, people spoke out before, um, but there were some very strong forces at play. Um, and some of them, as we know, you know were come from straight from Vladimir Putin. And we're just now starting, I think, to, to just look at the very at the tip of the iceberg of just how our, our elections were manipulated. Uh, so if that's Trump derangement syndrome, fine. I'll, I'll wear it proudly. Incredibly well said. And I agree with you 100 percent. That was a fantastic answer. One of the things you said that I found particularly interesting is you seem to believe that a lot of Trump supporters back him for reasons that they're not comfortable saying publicly. What do you, what did you yeah. mean by that? What do you mean by that? Well, I think that Steve Bannon um, helped tap into this white nationalism. Some of it was buried. But I do think, and, and I know that you've seen this from people that you, you've seen on in social media, uh, they, uh, they, they kind of glide right past that or they justify it. Um, but I do think that there was... Uh, some racism that had been long buried that uh, Steve Bannon and some of his cohorts worked to uh, bubble it back up. And we know with a lot of these fake Twitter accounts and some of the, the stuff that was done, it made other people who weren't paying it, who didn't understand that they were me being manipulated, feel that it was okay to, to uh, have these positions and to espouse these sentiments based on, on race. Uh, something that I thought we had long um, accepted in this country were not acceptable. You know, I, I always knew that it was out there, but I thought it was on the fringes. I thought it was such a shameful attitude to have that, uh, while it was ugly, it couldn't really do a whole lot of harm to people because we had come so far uh, in this country. And I now see that it has been brought back out in the open because uh, the white nationalists that were hiding uh, manipulated huge segments of the population to think that it was okay now to be this way and feel this way and act on this. And I think that's why we had people marching in Charlottesville with tiki torches, uh, with uh, Ku Klux Klan pointy hoods, hats, and uh, with swastikas on their shoulders. And then uh, we have a president who referred to them and people marching with them as very fine people. Uh, that that is just not something that even two years ago we could have comprehended happening in America. Uh, I and hear... now it's normalized, it's defended, and, um, and people just sort of move on from it. I hear what you're saying, and there's no question there's, there's some validity to it. And, you know, I've been, like you, one of those people who for decades has been 
defending conservatism in the Republican Party against claims of racism. It's much more difficult to do that now. Uh, I, I, in fact, I'm not even sure uh, that elements of the party are worth defending against charges of racism now. And so that's been one of the more eye-opening elements of this. But I, I Sherry, I, I'm not sure that all of this that it, that it would be under the white nationalism umbrella, if you will, is necessarily racism. I think it's even baser than that. I think these are bad people who love the entertainment element that a bad person has become president of the United States. Is it possible? Yeah. Is it possible that it's as simple as that? Uh, I think that's a big part of it. I don't think that's the only thing, and I don't think it's quite that simple. But boy, did you just tap on something big? There are people who um, uh, who enjoy this. They and it makes them feel powerful. Right. It makes them feel like they are lording this over people that they can they're getting away with it. Uh people that I never thought would defend the things that Donald Trump is about, the sexism, the racism, the misogyny, um the sexual assault. Uh he's as bad as Harvey Weinstein. Uh, he's got a number uh, dozens of 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 accusers out there. And I see people who call themselves conservatives and call themselves Christians uh on Facebook and on Twitter uh, just going after Harvey Weinstein and and trying to link Hillary Clinton to that somehow, as if she is. What, yeah, I don't know why she's obligated to speak out on that when Republicans don't feel obligated to speak out about Donald Trump. They elected him president, knowing these things about him. I I, I cannot believe the hypocrisy out there. But you know what? These are people, many of them who I've known and worked with for for years and for decades, who looked around. They noticed that others are getting away with this. Uh, with ignoring or denying the the blatant um, uh, evidence uh, surrounding Donald Trump, which is nearly identical to that with Harvey Weinstein, and Trump is the president. I see them ignoring it. I see it on Fox News. I see Tucker Carlson doing entire shows. Well, actually, I don't see it. I hear about it. I don't watch Fox News anymore. <laughs> uh, but you see people referring to the fact that um, – they're going after Harvey Weinstein, and, and I see people going after Jane Fonda because she says she's sorry. She knew, heard about this a year ago and didn't speak up. And so it's like, is this her job that Republicans don't have to speak up about Donald Trump? We have Donald Trump on tape bragging about sexual assault. We have him on Howard Stern show from years ago admitting and bragging about walking in on naked teenage girls at the Teen uh, Miss Universe or Teen USA pageant because he could. He went in there to look at them naked, and he was laughing about it and joking about it to Howard Stern. We had the girls talking about it, admitting it, saying they were shocked, they were scared. And I just have no idea how these Republicans, how these Trump defenders, especially the ones that claim to be Christians, can go out there uh, castigating Democrats for um, Harvey Weinstein when he is not running for office. Uh, They're giving back the money. Frankly, I think Republicans um, are going to have a problem uh, when people do start finding their voice again and stop fearing Trump and start talking more openly about what's happened and hold Republicans accountable for Trump the way that Republicans seem to be wanting to hold Hillary Clinton and Democrats accountable for Harvey Weinstein, which is just kind of amazing to me. Um, I think that uh, the same thing that's happening to Harvey Weinstein should be happening to Donald Trump. He needs to go. Here's the thing, John. You are either you either tolerate sexual assault and sexual harassment or you don't. You don't get a pass for, well, he makes great movies or he has a highly rated show so we should be we should look the other way. Or, you know, Gorsuch and MAGA. Uh, you know, it it just doesn't work that way. You don't make excuses for it. It's either acceptable or it isn't. And I actually made a kind of a tongue-in-cheek Twitter poll and put it up the other day, under what circumstances is sexual harassment uh, and sexual assault tolerated? And I even had those as the choices. Guy makes great movies, Gorsuch and MAGA. (laughs) 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 You're never, uh, or it's okay all the time because I'm a man. I mean, literally, those are the choices. (laughs) What one? Well, so far, never is way ahead, but you'd be oh. surprised the number of people. There are some who say Gorsuch and MAGA make it okay, and some yeah. because I'm a man. Yeah. I think we have 1% because a guy makes great movies. Appar- so apparently again, apparently, Gorsuch makes everything okay. I mean, you, you, there, there's no transgression that Gorsuch can't uh, explain away. I, I want to talk to you about the, the Weinstein thing in the context 
of sexual harassment within the so-called political media, because I think there's some similarities. Uh, but first, before we do that, I want to tie up all the loose ends on, on Trump. Uh, you had alluded that there are a lot of people that really surprised you. Uh, having been in the political and media realm for, for as long as you have, Sherry, can you pick one person in particular that shocked you the most in selling out to Trump? Uh, well, I have many, and some of them were people who, uh, during the uh, election, during the campaign, and even after he was the nominee, you know, I have private messages from them. And they feel exactly about him as I do, but the minute he won, and in some cases the minute he became the nominee, their jobs, their client base, their livelihood, maybe their social group, uh, their social standing, depended on them going along with the status quo and pretending that, you know, Trump was just like any other Republican nominee or Republican president. Uh, many of these are big self-proclaimed Christians. Um, I can you, don't can you give I me a name? name? Oh, come I, on. Yeah, you can't I, give I, me one I name? Don't think that I, should be, I don't think that I should be naming names right now. Maybe I will someday. Maybe oh, I'll do it in a book. I don't know. Oh. But they are some big, there are some very big names, uh, people who uh, are, were just shocked that he got as far as he did. Uh, and some then became very and are very big public supporters of Trump, uh, who not that long ago echoed my thoughts about him exactly. But again, they put their finger in the air. They see which way the wind is blowing. So I think, you know, it's this is the reality. The, it's, it's cynical. It's sad. Uh, but these would be the so-called establishment people, the ones who Trump railed against, and now they're all his. This is what establishment people do. Um, it's tribalism. They will support their own as long as they get the lobbying contracts, the big jobs, the access, uh, the TV contracts, the book deals. Uh, you know, it's, it's not too hard to figure out. Um, some of these people who were uh, never Trump until Trump became president or the nominee, and all of a sudden now uh, they talk about him as if he's Ronald Reagan, um, and uh, you know, but they get uh, they get the TV contracts and the other contracts to back that up. One of the names that uh, I'm most shocked by, and, and I don't think gets enough play, he's not the biggest name, but uh, Ari Fleischer, uh, being you know Bush President Bush's spokesperson during 9/11. He has become a, a, a full-blown Trump-tard uh, in so many ways that I, I'm just stunned. I mean, because I thought he was of a different class of people. Uh, you know, would you? Well, yeah, he's gone back and forth a couple of times. He's one mm. of the people who does put his finger in the air to see which way the wind is blowing. And when Trump was doing fine, then you know, then he was with them. And then when it when when it looked like everybody was turning against Trump, then it sounded like Ari was. And then he's back on board and. And now it's a lucrative contract to Fox because, you know, so I would say that that's one example of somebody who has sadly, you know, kind of, again, as I said, put his finger in the air, right. sees which way the wind is blowing and goes in that direction. Uh, and I've known Ari and worked with him for more than 30 years. Um, and But he was anti-Trump. Uh, and, um, and again, for the very same reasons that that I was uh, and there and there are more like him so again so many people that I have known and worked for um, look I have I, other two other people that I know and have known and I respect greatly for um, standing their ground and um, and they don't make a big deal about it but John Kasich the governor of Ohio mm -hmm. who said you know he'll lead the party if the party you know the, the way the direction is going at this party uh, because of Trump. Uh, John, I, I knew when he was House Budget Committee chairman, and uh, super smart guy. We used to say he was his own best staffer. I swear that guy knew every line in that budget. Um, and he was passionate about it. He'd take on his own party, and he was dedicated to balancing the budget and helping pay down the debt. Uh, but he did not want uh, deficits, you know, and uh, just very dedicated to that. And, and it was a, is a budget hawk as governor of Ohio. Uh, would it be easier for him to jump on board and be pro-Trump and probably could have gotten in the cabinet? Yes, but he didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And I respect him for that. Uh, uh, and whether he has a future still, you know, runs for president again or not, kind of seems beside the point. Uh, another person is Governor Larry Hogan of Maryland, an old friend of mine mm -hmm. that I've known since he ran for Congress in 92. Uh, he never jumped on the Trump bandwagon. Hasn't heard him a bit. In fact, he is the second most popular governor in the nation of, of any party. Interesting. Uh, so I hope that they serve as good examples to other lawmakers who feel pressured to cave and, and back 
something that they that they know is just wrong and against their values. Sherry, with regard to Ari Fleischer, you mentioned uh, very directly the influence of Fox News in all of this. Uh, yeah. You know, Fox News, I've always believed, uh, is kind of like the the uh, gravitational pull. Uh, whatever it's clear that Fox wants, and and in the same way, what it's very when it becomes clear what Matt Drudge wants, it's amazing how people will gravitate towards that direction because that's where the clicks are. That's where you get on television. That's how you get uh, speaking engagements. You get prestige. All of that, you know, and, and in some ways, you actually directly get paid if you're uh, a paid contributor by Fox News Channel, as Ari Fleischer is. Give me uh, so when you came out against Trump, you're somebody who'd been on like I have been on on every major cable news network and and other television networks. What happened to your Fox News invites at that point? Well, you know, I saw little by little. It was like I don't the Stepford Wives movie. I saw them change, and and uh, I um, uh, you know my history with with Trump is such that very early on they uh, approached me and. And, and wanted me to work for them, and I had a couple meetings. Then after a second meeting of witnessing Lewandowski, I was like, oh, no, I, he was quite something. Uh, he bragged that uh, they had Fox News in their pocket uh, and Roger Ailes and Joe Scarborough, for that matter, uh, and, and Jeff Zucker um, from CNN. And I didn't believe it at the time. Um, you know, we had all these Republicans running um, for, for president, and I assumed that the TV executives knew most of them, uh, but I didn't think that somebody could just pick up the phone and dictate what happens uh, at the networks. And I'm fairly certain that literally all of the all of the other Republican candidates um, did not understand that this was the relationship that Trump, in fact, had uh, with them. You know, most of these other people aren't in New York, but these, you know, Trump had some long-time, long-term friendships. But even then, I thought, well, that's not going to affect coverage. Um, but we now know that there were different forces at play, um, and um, so let's let's just just to review. Bill O'Reilly was great friends with with uh, with with Trump, but even these people, I don't think early on um, had it in their minds that they were going to push for this guy. Look, pushing for for Trump was fun for ratings at first right. for them, and they all kind of took advantage of that. You know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. They still didn't know they were creating a nominee. Right. And I firmly believe that. I'm not accusing any of these people of, from the beginning, you know, having this big conspiracy. Right. And I don't think they all understood some of the other things that Trump was doing that weren't quite uh, uh, on the up and up. So they, they gorged on the ratings. You know this. And you've written about this. Um, and they... Um, they also thought that, uh, you know, when to get, they thought if you really push for Trump as a nominee, when they saw that happening, I think that right-wing media, I think Fox, talk radio, uh, people who write the books, they uh, a lot of them made their fame and fortune when there was a Clinton in the White House the first time. I think they were sure that Donald Trump as a Republican nominee meant that Hillary Clinton would be president, and they were going to score big money big ratings, big clicks, big book sales with a Hillary Clinton in the White House. You know, they, half of them probably already had their anti-President Hillary books on their publisher's desk. Uh, and so this, you know, this is why they pushed him. They still did not think that he would win. Nobody did. Uh, but they wanted those anti-Hillary ratings. So, uh, and, the, so you know, I, I know these people. I know how they think. I know most right. of them I, for a long time. Jerry, I get it. Uh, and I think you, you and I have very, very similar philosophies or theories about what really happened here. But let, let me just reiterate what you said, because it's important. Corey Lewandowski, in a meeting you had to potentially work for the Trump campaign, told you we have Fox in our back pocket, correct? Yes. And, mm. he, and, I, and he said that they, they can get whatever they want, that he and Trump recently had had dinner with Roger Ailes, and that he said, and I and I was kind of, and I said, well, it's my understanding that um, you know he pretty much lets each show do their own thing, and at that point he reached in his top drawer and he whipped out a printed out email from Roger Ailes to Donald Trump, that's and then with a handwritten note from Trump to, to Corey on it saying, Corey, look at this, uh, and it was just you know let us know whatever we can do to help, um, you know that sort of thing. So I you know it's. It, I didn't even know what that meant. I thought, are these guys misreading just a casual, friendly offer of help? Right. Uh, but then we also know that when um, when uh, Megyn Kelly um, was tough on tr- 
Trump in a debate. After that, he just blew up, and he was threatening um, Fox. And, and uh, at one point, remember, he refused to do a debate because he, in right. my view, was afraid of her. Right. Well, there was a report that Roger Ailes was pretty shook up by the massive response they got from, at the time, what they thought were Trump supporters. We now know that there's a lot out there um, that's been faked on yep. social media. Yep. Um, and so it's possible. But again, this is how you affect programming. Uh, Trump was able to get some people thrown off the air. He could, he could make you know Roger Ailes be more pro-Trump if he had a massive number of you know alleged viewers weighing in. And uh, so there were news reports that Fox was just shocked and truly shook, shook up by this massive response. This is in the primary of all these Trump supporters weighing in, going so hard in Megyn Kelly. Are, are you and, suggesting... And now, we're, now we're finding out that those people might not have been real. You're suggesting that they were robots that may have been created, I'm assuming, by Russia? Is that is that your theory? Well, early on, I think, and I actually have somebody who knows Trump people who told me this, so take it for what it's worth. Uh, and I don't know if this is when Russia was involved yet or not. Uh, but he did have uh, call center type operations, I'm told, allegedly. He had call center type operations around the country where you literally have people just sitting there, you know, pretending to be lots of different people on social media, um, you know, pretending to be Trump supporters. Um, so I was told this by uh, somebody who used to not be a Trump supporter and now very much is, mm-hmm. uh, and who right. claims to, to have this information. Um, so I need to qualify my statement. Sure. This is I, alleged, but this is what I was told. Call center type operations where, you know, they just sit around and they do nothing but uh, but create these, these fake accounts. Uh, to weigh in, to harass people online, to pretend to be Trump supporters. Uh, so, yes, it's conceivable that they would, in fact, have weighed in to Fox News or CNN or anywhere else to give the illusion of massive viewer support or opposition to a person who was appearing on the network. I, I'm still convinced that a lot of these um, big-time Trump supporters on Twitter who get five, ten thousand retweets and likes that that can't be real. That there's just no, there's just no way. Something else is going on there. Right. Uh, well, um, there have been many studies that have proven that too. It just it can't happen. And just like when when Trump himself all of a sudden gets hundreds of thousands of of uh, new followers all at once, you know, in one day. Uh, so there is something going on. We know that a lot of this is is being investigated. Right. Um, but okay. you know, it's frightening to know that coverage, uh, news coverage, can actually be affected by this and. Here's what's really dangerous, John. When you've got elected members of Congress, elected officials who are afraid of Trump's Twitter, who are uh, some of them on record and some are anonymous in certain stories saying they're afraid to cross him because one tweet from him him can ruin them. All right. Now, back to you, because, you know, what you said about Fox News getting on the Trump train early is very uh, fascinating, I think, probably dead on. But so you decide not to work for the Trump campaign. You come out against Trump. What happens to you and your relationship with Fox News? Uh, well, what happened was um, I, when I was also in these meetings, uh, Corey Lewandowski was openly talking about the Trump Super PAC that they were starting. Uh, and in fact, the first person who first contacted me and a friend asked me if I had worked for them. I said, oh, well, why don't we sit down and talk about it? You know, I never agreed to I didn't agree to that meeting with Corey Lewandowski. Um, my friend just brought him along uh, to our lunch. I was just kind of being nice and having lunch with a friend who was supposed to, who was with the Exploratory Committee, was going to be working on the Super PAC, and he brings along Corey, and at that point, you know, they were admitted they were having a hard time getting good people to meet with them uh, and talk with them. They, yeah, so um, they kind of worked on me and everything, and I agreed to a second meeting, and at that meeting, after uh, witnessing a little bit about Lewandowski, I said thanks, but no thanks, uh, and then um, I still even defended Trump on the air after that, like I defended, you know, Ben Carson or Jeb Bush or anybody else. Uh, but again, I think my first public uh, criti- criticism of Trump was on the POW issue. Now, when I saw uh, that Matea Gold of the Washington Post did a report in October of 2015 about the Trump super PAC, Corey and Trump were lying about it. They said, we have no super PAC. We know nothing about this. We don't know, never heard of this guy, Mike Saletti, who's running a super PAC out of Colorado. Um, and um, then Matea Gold came up with the fact that Jared Kushner's mother had seeded this super PAC with $100,000, and Trump's big casino owner friend, uh, 
Phil Ruffin had given it a million. Uh, and then it was also reported that Mike Saletti was actually a good friend of Corey Lewandowski's. <laughs> and uh, they had worked together before. And so when I publicly and on Twitter said Corey Lewandowski openly talked about this super PAC in front of me in these meetings, um, at that point Lewandowski had to recant. And at that point Trump very quickly uh, shut down the super PAC and Bill O'Reilly, his very good friend, very quickly jumped on Gretchen Carlson's show, didn't even wait till his own show that night, and said, there's no super PAC. Oh, no, no, it's all shut down now. And I was just coincidentally canceled on for Fox that day and, you know, another eight or nine times until everything dried up. <laughs> so I knew too much about the super PAC. And to this day, his voters still don't know that he lied to them and that he, in fact, had a super PAC in the primary lied about it, got caught. Trump even attended two of the fundraisers for his own super PAC while he was smearing everybody else for having them and claiming he was self-funding and he didn't have a super PAC. He had a super PAC. He got caught. I kind of helped shed the light on that. So I became a target real quick after that. Okay, and but just again to be clear, so after that, all of a sudden Fox stops booking you, correct? Well, I got, there was one other time that I was on, I think it was by accident, um, that happens. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that happened. Um, and no, no. Then, what, uh, what, I, what I'm saying is that sometimes, see, uh, what, where I'm getting at here is, do you be, do you believe that you have been effectively blackballed by Fox because of your Trump stance? Yes. Okay. Oh, I and, don't think there's any question about that. Because you were on Fox fairly regularly before you came out against Trump. And oh, then, I was on Fox, I think, 1,500 times since um, something along uh, like that, since 1997 when they first started. It was October 1997, and I was on the old Hannity and Combs show. Right. Uh, and they only, you know, Fox. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I was on Bill O'Reilly's show okay. a few months after that. They first launched. So, yeah, okay. I okay. And, on and, and, and so And so how many times, so, so you think 1,500, which sounds like a really big number but okay what yeah. some some ridiculously high number before you came out against trump how many times since you came out strongly against trump uh well it kind of it, it it was it was slowing down then remember um the the fox dynamic with trump was sort of back and forth uh, so i was noticing it um i would say i started noticing it in earnest around august of 20 15 and September and then October and then of course after that it got it got you know a little rough um, and so that was about when they were they were switching around you know you could see them one by one being picked off uh, and then of course um, but then I just want to nail this down though Sherry so so you believe you've been blackballed at what point did you think oh my gosh I'm being blackballed from my Trump stance uh, it was it was at this when I publicly confirmed a Washington Post report about the super PAC. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so after that point, you believe the only time you've been booked by Fox is by quote unquote accident, which I, I think does. Oh, well, it, it gets happen. a little bit complicated because um, later that then that that winter um, uh, when I it, it was really odd. Um, I've never been on Megyn Kelly's show, but for some reason Corey Lewandowski hopped on. Trump buddies show, you know, Joe Scarborough and said that Megyn Kelly and Fox were against them and trying to hurt them and that they had had me on the night before. And that's when he defamed me. Um, And then um, uh, I was not allowed on Joe's show to dispute the claims and um, nor would Joe read a statement. And you're uh, talking about Joe Scarborough. I am talking Mm. about Joe Scarborough. Mm. And to this day, he has not made that right. Um, So I'm uh, uh, now you have to understand. So you believe that during that time period, Joe Scarborough was also in the tank for Trump? Oh, we know he was then. I mean, he was quite open about that. And I had been told in advance. But again, when somebody says, oh, yeah, so and so is our friend, we got him in the bag, I, I just didn't believe it at the time that that really was the case. I didn't know that anybody could have that kind of a pull with the network. I knew there was bias certainly, and I know that there are friendships, um, but I did not believe that Donald Trump could simply make this stuff happen, I, and I was proven wrong. Um, and so, um, you know, we, we saw this over and over again. As you know, uh, CNN just was uh, really pushing for him, and Jeff Zucker, the head of CNN, I think it was you who quoted him um, as saying, um, 
to his staff when they were wondering if perhaps they were creating Trump as the nominee because of all of the unfair coverage. And he said, as long as the cameras, as long as there are eyeballs on him, keep the cameras on him. Right. Yeah, that's what he said. I believe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And and now Jeff Zucker, uh, when he was head of entertainment at NBC, he greenlit The Apprentice for Mm. Trump. His career was built by the Apprentice. Oh, Trump! Trump! Trump, Trump has Trump has referred to him as a family friend. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. of course, you know, not anymore because CNN is now suddenly fake news. Uh, you know, so because <laughs> so everything's fake news, it doesn't uh, fit uh, whatever narrative he's pushing at the time. All right, uh, in our remaining minutes, Sherry, uh, you know, to me, I, I am really passionate about getting people educated about the nature of news in general and cable news in particular. And, you know, with regard to these bookings, um, you know, I think there's a, an interesting uh, comparison to be made to uh, the bookings on cable news and somewhat of the Hollywood dynamic that's being exposed with the Harvey Weinstein situation. And, yeah, and, thanks. Uh, well, and well, why? Well, what? Why do you say? Well, why did you jump in and say? I think. Do you think? What? What makes you think that? Where am I going with that? I mean, is there any difference between Roger Ailes and Harvey Weinstein, and even what we see with Donald Trump? Uh, uh, the British magazine, The Week, has an interesting cover, and it's uh, drawings of all three of these men, and they are all on par with with each other. Uh, and that's why we're in this unique situation where... In bathrobes, uh, by the way. <laughs> yes. You, know, you have Fox News who won't mention uh, what uh, Roger Ailes is or what Donald Trump is, but they're talking about Harvey Weinstein because he gave some money to Democrats. Uh, so I, I find that very interesting. Uh, so yeah, so the, the Ailes... The Ailes years did the same behavior that we now know. And some women spoke up, some didn't. Um, and I do believe, and this is going to be very controversial, but I do believe there were some women who used that culture uh, at Fox to get ahead. Um, and um, that is unfair to those who actually have credentials, uh, who didn't want to go along with it, and who just wanted to have a career. So, you know, you find that in Hollywood as well. You have women who didn't speak up. You have some women who, um, look, I'm, I'm just going to be real blunt here, if I can. Uh, Monica Lewinsky is often viewed as a victim of Bill Clinton's. Monica Lewinsky was an adult, a consenting adult. She was not a victim of sexual harassment or sexual assault. And by her own admission, uh, prior to going to work at the White House, she told a friend that she was going there to get her presidential knee pads. Mm-hmm. So we know that there are those types of women. Then there are the women who don't want to go along with it, but feel forced to in order to keep their career or have a okay. career. And then we have the women who refuse and then don't get careers. Well, all right. This is there's a lot of interesting elements here, but I want to make sure people understand what specifically we're talking about. Yes, there's a comparison between Weinstein and Ailes, which is clear cut. But uh, in this situation, what you have is uh, someone who runs a, a, a media operation where there's a premium on attractive women, and there's a lot of attractive women to choose from, and so they get to choose who's going to be a celebrity or a star within their little world and who's not. And that is the source of their power. And because and because women, you know, and people in general, but you know, a lot of attractive women, they they want to be celebrities. And so that 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 gives them the incentive to go along with things that they wouldn't ordinarily go along with. Well, uh, and you know how you know how you can really take care of this. You have to look, you cannot go I'm stammering around here because there's just so much to say about this. I started out on TV when there are very few of us doing it. And at that point, you had to have very solid credentials, not just a little bit. To be a political commentator, to be called a Republican strategist or a Democratic strategist, you actually had to have made your living doing it and have risen to the top of your game and being a senior-level person. Now, if there were some people who were more presentable on TV, because you know, then maybe they got the edge. But it would have been unheard of to be on TV discussing politics as a political commentator when you did not have a lengthy career as a political journalist, a real one, uh, or a you know, or 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 somebody who had worked in the, in in the business for quite some time, uh, that over time started fading away. And I was noticing these young women on Fox mainly who 
had no political resumes or fudged resumes. And there was one very high-profile male Republican pollster who told me a few years ago when we were discussing this that he kind of tongue-in-cheek asked uh, somebody who worked for Ailes, Ailes' assistant, um, gee, I noticed all these, these young women, and he named some of them, who were Fox News contributors or on Fox News a lot um, as, you know, political strategists. And he says, in all my decades, I've never run into them on Capitol Hill or in any of the campaigns. You know, where did they come from? And her response allegedly was, well, how do you think the producers get dates? Now, I'm giving you a lot of, again, I have to say allegedly to protect myself. This is stuff that was passed along to me. Well, Um, forget about the dating. Forget about the sharing. I've worked at politics many years on Capitol Hill. I've run campaigns, and I've taught it at the master's level. Um, I was running campaigns when very few women were doing so. I didn't get the memo. Thank goodness, or I would have been too intimidated. So I know what a true political strategist is. And if you have not spent your life doing it at senior level positions, sorry, but you have no business going on TV as a political strategist. But that, again, it became clear, and I'm talking many years ago, that that was no longer a premium uh, when it came to being on Fox News. Well, basically what you're describing is that as cable television news, quote-unquote news, uh, evolved, what they realized was that if an attractive woman was on the screen, that the ratings were better regardless of her credibility, regardless of her credentials. And so all you have to do is just call someone a political commentator. And if they're smoking hot, it's going to keep more eyeballs than if, if they're not. And well, I would assume that that would go for anything, uh, any industry, anybody sitting at the board in the boardroom. Um, but that means that you're no longer a news station. Well, I agree with you a, a thousand percent, Sherry. But I'm just saying that what they what they realized was one that this would happen, that they would get better ratings, and that credibility is irrelevant, and that two, they could get away with it. And so, and once once they realized they could get away with it. Now it's Katie bar the door. There's nothing that's going to keep, there's no going back. And now we get, you know, you, for instance, with great credentials being blackballed from Fox as a true conservative. And instead we've got Tommy Lahren <laughs> with no, yeah. cr- no credentials, no credibility, but who's smoking hot and young. And she's now a budding star there. What do you, what, how does that make you feel to see Tommy Lahren be a star at Fox News Channel? You know, if if she had gone and spent a lot of years working her way up the ladder on Capitol Hill or campaigns uh, and really been out there and knew what she was talking about and had something to offer, um, obviously I have no no problem with it whatsoever, but that simply isn't the case. And so I I really, you know, these are the people that I would switch the channel on because they, they have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to politics. Um, their opinion is based on maybe reading some talking points. Uh, and they can't really, you know, look, I remember at one point in time when I noticed a switch when I was doing a lot of TV. And um, at first, you know, there would be some actual intellectual discussion, and it could get fiery, too. But it was based on, we were debating people who actually knew what they were talking about. And then it got to the point where um, uh, you would even have a producer say, well, don't get in the weeds too much on things. You know, it, and I knew the person on the other side had talking points in front of her. Uh, and could not veer from them because they would not. They didn't have the intellectual depth and the actual professional experience to do true analysis. They could only spew out the talking points. You know, God forbid you'd be on the air and there'd be breaking news, and you'd have to respond to it. Uh, you know, breaking political news, and that's when you can really tell the the professionals from the talking point folks because. Uh, if you've actually worked in the industry and been able to survive in it and thrive, uh, you you are paid for your expertise, and you have elected officials and candidates literally putting their reputations uh, and their careers in your hands because they have to go with your political judgment. Uh, and this is serious business. Um, and I see now, you know, Trump seems to have it ass backwards, excuse my French, but he takes people who don't really have political careers that maybe they were on Fox News and then they go work for his administration and suddenly they have the first political jobs of their lives in these senior level positions. It's, it's, um, well, I think we're now seeing it all come full circle now. Sherry, what would you, um, what, Sherry, what would, what would you have said if I, have, if I had told you three years ago 
uh, that you you um, forget about Donald Trump being president. That would have been uh, baffling enough. But you will be banned from Fox News Channel. But a Tommy Lahren will be a budding star there. What would you have told me three years ago if I told you that? Well, if, you know, for Fox News, I would have said, yeah, I can see that because we had seen that happening already. Um, and, um, you know, you, you see a lot of these young women. You don't see a whole lot of young men. I also find it interesting that uh, when it comes to cable news, well, I'll say Fox News specifically, you have a whole lot of men that are in my age range and very few women. Uh, and that's where it's very much like Hollywood, and it shouldn't be because, frankly, you know, it's kind of hard to consider yourself an expert of any in anything unless you've really put in the years um, and and know what you're talking about. Yeah, but expertise uh, am, expertise is irrelevant now, Sherry. You know that, right? It is. I mean, it's irrelevant. Uh, but you see the ageism. You know, Ari Fleischer is actually probably a year or so younger than me. <laughs> that's my age range. Um, and he will have a cable news career for a very, very long time. You do not see a whole lot of women my age uh, who are invited on anyway uh, for their expertise. So, so you be- so you believe that that there's an ageism as as well as a political bias against someone like yourself? Well, based on some of the feedback I get from the the Trump fans, they call me that. Yeah, I'm referred to as old and a hag and a crone and that sort of thing a lot on Twitter. <laughs> Because I have Classic. the audacity to, to, to still be walking this earth at age 57. Right. <laughs> so apparently that's a horrible thing. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, 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 well, Trumpers are interesting people, as we, as we both know all too well. Um, so you agree, then, that there is a, a remarkable similarity between the culture of Hollywood and the culture of, of booking on cable news. I see so much similarity, I can barely even, you know, it's almost seamless. And I think that's why you also see a lot of um, people in the entertainment industry whose careers are maybe not going so well, um, all of a sudden decide that they are conservatives and they sort of try and morph into the Fox News world. um, And they get big pats on the back for going against the grain of Hollywood, when in fact, uh, it's a way for them to get attention. And I think so much of it is, is frankly, a shtick. It is a career move to become a, quote, conservative, because when you can't get TV shows anymore or movies or get any attention for anything else, uh, become uh, a conservative from Hollywood. And maybe that'll jumpstart your acting career or music career or something along those lines. Last question for you, Sherry, uh, that, that's, you know, I'm going to ask you to put on your, your political uh, operative uh, hat here. The big news story late this week was obviously the uh, Trump executive order on uh, Obamacare, dismantling part of it, getting rid of the subsidies. When I look at this, uh, what I see is a situation that, well, in, in the micro, you might be able to de- defend uh, what Trump did in the macro what we now have is a situation where the Republican Party, through Trump's action, is going to own the implosion of Obamacare that will cause uh, even further political damage and set the stage for something far more socialized, whether it's single payer or something like that, uh, passed by liberals and Democrats and maybe even signed by Donald Trump in the not too distant future. Where am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong. I think this was a short-term, quote, answer, because uh, he wanted something that seemed like a result to, to please his base. Um, yeah, it, it, everything is, is sort of immediate with him. I don't think he understands any of the long-term consequences of what he does. But here's another thing, John. If you remember when Obamacare was passed, uh, it was passed without any Republican votes, and Republicans eviscerated Obama and the Democrats for that. That's such a mm-hmm. huge piece of legislation mm-hmm. was passed by only one party. Uh, they also went after Obama hard for what they considered to be uh, far too many executive orders. Uh, and we now have Trump and the Republicans doing the exact same thing. But listen, here's the thing. Trump has a Republican Congress. He has a Republican House. He has a Republican Senate. He has obviously a Republican in the White House. There is something very, very wrong uh, with his level of competency if he cannot work with members of his own party and somehow sell something that they've been running on for seven years and that he was running on. Uh, And I think that this executive order, again, it's a short-term thing to get this off the table so everybody thinks something was done and he can move on. He, He wants this removed 
as a news item, as a talking point, as something he wants people to think, okay, that's done. We can now focus on something else. This is a move to politically get it off the table for him so he doesn't have to deal with it for a while, make it somebody else's problem down the line. I agree with you. Uh, Sherry, uh, really interesting stuff. Uh, next time we have you on, make sure you um, come out of your shell a little bit and give us your true opinions. I, and- I am a shrinking violet. <laughs> I know. I apologize. Well, no, but it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing, you know, the, the people who uh, have been uh, shunned by the establishment, you know, it, it, it frees you up to be able to at least tell the truth. And, and we appreciate that people like you are out there willing to do that. Well, so. I'm shunned by the establishment because I did tell the truth. So right, I've always felt go. pretty free to do it. Good for you. Good for you. Sherry, thank Thanks so much. Make sure you, uh, I guess the best place to check you out is USA Today. Anywhere else that people can uh, follow you? They can follow me on Twitter at Sherry Jacobus. All right. Thanks so much, Sherry. Take care. Keep in touch. Thank you. That's Sherry Jacobus, uh, who, uh, as I said, is, among other things, a a columnist for USA Today with a a very interesting analysis of both the, the nature of the Trump phenomenon as well as the other fraud that is cable news television. That, that, to me, is the, the biggest point of this whole deal, that what you're seeing on cable news television is Hollywood. And it's not just in the culture of how women are treated and how beauty is, is valued and, and celebrity is everything. Those are all similarities. It's a show. That's all it is. It's a damn show, which is why... <laughs> You know, when accidents happen, and she mentioned, you know, she got booked on Fox by accident. That it does occasionally happen, even if you're blackballed, because some, you know, producers in the wrong show that day, or they didn't get the memo, or they forgot, or there was no one else they could get on. So in the once a year accident that happens to get me on television, I don't even, I don't want to be brought back, because I know it's a sham. It's a, it's a scam. It's a show. It's, it's not, I'm not cut out for it. Uh, and it's getting worse every day, and it will continue to get worse. I mean, Tommy, Tommy Lahren is the perfect example of that. She's the personification of what has happened to not just Fox, but cable news in, in particular. Eventually, they're going to have the females in bikinis doing political commentary. That's what they're going to do. Eventually. Tom, Tommy will probably be the first. <laughs> That's my guess. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, just a, it's just a show. It's just entertainment. That's all it is. Are you not entertained? That's all it is. All right. Uh, that does it for hour number two of the World According to Zig podcast. As always, I ask only two things of you, and they're both very simple. If you like this podcast, make sure you share it via social media or word of mouth, Twitter, Facebook, what have you. And number two, uh, if you're one of those people who uh, sleeps, and when you sleep, you use sheets, make sure you pay attention to this important message. My name is John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com coffee oh thanks how did you sleep like a baby i don't want to get out of bed ever these sheets are mm, incredibly soft what did you say they're called again performance bedding by sheiks (laughs) performance bedding (laughs) yeah they're made from super high-tech performance fabric they're incredibly breathable so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on huh no wonder i slept so good since i started using sheiks i sleep like a baby no more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should. Oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S H E E X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, one, two, one, two.